Three years ago, I used the Employee Assistance Program at work to find a counselor to work with me in fighting my depression. In the course of seeing her, we reviewed many ideas <clears throat> that could help me. What I discovered was that I already had heard of many of the methods that we talked about. I learned a few new ones, but one of the most important things she told me was I already knew many of the tools that I could, that I could use to help myself feel better and to cope with the stress in my life. When she said tools, it struck a chord in me. And on the way home, the phrase spiritual toolbox stuck in my head. I'd like to say that I sat down when I got home and I wrote down what would be in that toolbox. But if I did, I couldn't find it in my journals of that time period. But the idea has stuck with me. And now and then I bring it out to look at it and think about it. I do have a list of some things I can do from my time with her. I wanted to embellish it and put it into a separate little book like this, you know, but I never got that far. It's a project for um, another snow day. When Laura told me her idea for this sermon and shared the story of how she came to the idea, I thought she was really on to something. As you use our spiritual practice, what we do to center and connect with a, with a deeper sense of life's meaning is not prescripted by our religious tradition as it is in so many other faith traditions. This has pros and cons, of course. We are free to explore different practices and discover what touches us most deeply and helps most effectively with our spiritual growth. But because the field of options is wide open, it can sometimes be confusing and rather daunting trying to pick and choose what works best for us. There's always the danger of skittering along the surface between too many choices and never finding the tools that help us to go deeper. And there is certainly lots of free advice out there from people who are sure that their spiritual practice is the way to the truth. We each come with our own set of life experiences that inform how we understand this world. So each of us needs to discover and develop the tools that we keep on hand in our own toolboxes to help us cope with and understand the challenges that we face in life. What works best for you might, not, might leave me cold and vice versa, or just not quite hit the mark. And the tools we collect probably won't work for every situation we find ourselves in, as the Story for All Ages demonstrated. But whatever tools we collect need to have one thing in common. They need to help bring us home again to that space deep within that connects us to the universe and reassures us that we are okay. So to get you thinking about what's in your toolbox, spiritual that is, we will share a few of the tools that we have found useful. Perhaps what we share today will be helpful in thinking about what's in your toolbox. The most important tool for me, I think, is my connection with nature. I know this, and yet I don't make enough time in my life to nurture this connection. When I'm walking in the woods alone, I usually walk fairly quickly for the exercise until my attention is caught by a fragrance, and I will then begin to search for the source. If I can find the source, I will inhale the scent for as long as it lasts. If I can't find it, I will stand in the strongest spot until it blows away in the breeze. And then I'll resume my pace, fast as I can, until something else 
catches one of my other senses. The lap of the waves on the shore, the wind in the trees, the scent of muck or sand or salt, the ack of a heron as I disturb its solitary fishing. Each time I stop transfixed, the awe and the belonging and the importance of each part of the natural world filling me. Spiders, which I hate in my house, are fascinating in their webs in the world and their, and their, their weaving styles and their myriad colors. Trees with their bare branches swaying gracefully against the blue sky or contrasting sharply black against the gray. The smell of green in the spring and the summertime and the turtles in the pond. Always a brave one, not jumping off a log when I walk by. I am alive and my soul is restored. There are simple rituals that help to anchor us throughout our daily life. Things we do the same way every day without even thinking about them most of the time that move us along. Whether I'm just groggy from waking too early on a cold winter morning, tired, or crank, tired and cranky from a long day, or frustrated because of a particular situation I'm dealing with at the moment, I often turn to a simple cup of tea. I'm just a tea drinker. I don't drink coffee. Although I did learn how to make it through a cup of that stuff graciously enough when we lived in Germany for a time back in the 90s. For me, tea is my companion. I drink black tea in the morning and sometimes in the mid-afternoon. I drink herbal teas at other parts of the day, sometimes for medicinal reasons and sometimes for the simple pleasure of the taste. But it always is just the comfort of a warm cup of tea, a fragrant tea in my hands, the first soothing sip as it glides over my tongue and down the back of my throat, and the deep breath I inevitably take along with my sips that bring me a sense of calm again. I think it's even the process of making a cup of tea that I appreciate. Mark Nepo has a wonderful piece on making tea in his Book of Awakening Daily Companion book. He says, if we stop to truly consider it, making tea is a miraculous process. First, small leaves are gathered from plants that grow from unseen roots. Then boiling water is drained through the dried leaves. Finally, allowing the mixture to steep creates an elixir that when digested can be healing. The whole process is a model for how to make inner use of our daily experience. For isn't making tea the way we cipher through the events of our lives? End quote. Because a properly brewed cup of tea takes some time, I am reminded to be patient with my life's worries. If I want a good cup of tea, I cannot rush the process. It just doesn't work. The result is a bland, watery cup of something that looks more like dirty dishwater and tastes just as bad. And I am left feeling dissatisfied and unhappy that I even bothered. Isn't that the way with, with most things? The best results require patience and a willingness to put in the, real, the necessary effort. As I pour the water into the kettle and set it on the stove to heat, I can think of what I have poured into the situation I'm currently facing, whether it's a work problem, family issue, or some other worry in my life. As I place the tea bag in my cup, I imagine the worry or struggle I am facing at the moment as the dried bits of tea and herbs. And then, as I pour the water over the tea, mingling the tea leaves and water together, 
I think of the intention and energy I am bringing to my worry or struggle at the moment. A brief moment of reflection to regroup, gather my thoughts, and settle my emotions before continuing on again. Making a simple cup of tea can become a sort of coming to center moment at any point throughout the day. In the middle of writing about some tools for the sermon, I thought I was writing about a tool. But uh, it turned out that I was journaling because I couldn't turn, I couldn't figure out how to turn that experience into a tool. So that brings me to my next tool. I've been journaling off and on since I was in junior high school. Um, but I have been journaling in the group here at the church steadily since 2006. Sometimes I only journal when we meet and sometimes I uh, journal in between, but I almost always find out something about myself that I didn't realize was, realize was going on beneath the surface of my mind. Sometimes it's an insight into something that was bothering me that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Other times, attitudes I didn't know I had and, embar and I'm embar embarrassed by are revealed. Other times, I learned that I believe deep down inside that I am worthwhile and I have a purpose and a reason and I am strong and intelligent, all of which I forget from time to time. Those who know me well know that I love to move, to dance, to feel myself alive in this body. I feel more centered and connected when I'm in motion whether I'm dancing or practicing Qigong or creating a body prayer or, more recently, exploring my body's playful wisdom through interplay. I can sense my connection to the web of life more fully when I'm moving and active. I believe there is a sacredness to movement done with intention and purpose that allows each of us to open more fully to our own life experience as well as to the expression of all life. Sacred moving, movement can be healing and affirming by allowing us to get out of the cerebral existence and feel the realness and richness of this human experience. The body has a wisdom all its own if we only slow down enough to listen. The beauty of movement done with intention and purpose is that this practice is available to everyone. You don't have to be a Tai Chi or Qigong master to understand the flow of the simple meditation exercise we did earlier. I have found that even a very simple walking meditation can bring me back to home again. As Laura and I talked about this sermon and what tools we might share from our own experiences, we laughed as we both remembered her reaction to a description I had given recently about a walking meditation practice. And I'll give the, I'll, I'm going to tell you about that practice. And it's good she's back there because she's probably going to make faces again. <laughs> to begin the practice, you simply stand for a moment with your feet parallel to each other, back straight but relaxed, and take a few deep breaths to center yourself. For more advanced versions of this walking meditation, there are breathing patterns that go along with the steps, but for my purpose, I like to keep it simple. I begin by paying attention to my right foot as I slowly, very slowly begin to lift the heel in preparation for a step forward. I notice the changes in each part of my foot and up along my calf, my thigh, my hip, as the motion continues. 
Then as my leg moves forward, moves the foot forward, I pay attention to the shift in weight from one leg to the other. Then as the heel of the right foot touches the ground, I notice the place on the bottom of my foot as it makes contact with the ground. The weight shifts to my right side now as my left foot begins the same process. This walking meditation is slow and may sound a bit tedious. Okay, <laughs> excruciatingly tedious to some. The point of the meditation is to slow down enough to notice how wonderful and complex this body is that carries us through our days. How often do we take for granted what our body has done, does for us every moment of every day? The body is the casing that holds our little bit of self in this life. It's the only connection we have with other living beings, and yet we take it for granted and misuse it so much of the time. All kinds of movement become sacred movement when we change our thinking about our bodies. We can take joy in a simple walk across a room as our feet make contact with the floor and our arms swing gently by our sides. When I turn my focus to my body as I move through my day, I am reminded both of my limits, I exist only to the edge of my skin, and my ability to connect with all other living beings through this incredible body. I can feel grounded and home again just by paying attention to my body and my breath. I use music in many ways to lift my spirit, to work off angry feelings, to calm myself and, and connect to my center. I also love to move to music. I dance around the house to the theme song of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I dance in the aisles at the grocery store. I dance to the music at the gas pumps. You can tell all this is kind of fast stuff. The Beth's thing drives me crazy. <laughs> I'm not good at slow. I dance in my seat here at church, swaying to the gentle classical songs or bouncing along to something more up-tempo. I found a musician named Karen Drucker. We'll hear one of her songs as the postlude, and it really lifts me up. Another of her songs reminds me that I'm a blessing to the world. We are the heart, we are the hands, we are the voice of spirit on earth, and who we are and all we do is a blessing to the world. I frequently listen to an alpha wave relaxation CD before bed, which has tracks for stress reduction and meditation. I also listen to it at work with my partner on those hectic days when we really need to focus on something to get something accomplished. There's one different piece of music in each track that really calls out to both of us. When it starts, we stop completely what we're doing, and we close our eyes if possible, and we enter into the sound. We come back refreshed and ready to accomplish the task at hand. It's mostly light, drawn-out tones with waves in the background or running water, but it really, really calms us down. I'm reminded of my possibilities and the worlds in music. As Natasha Bedingfield sings, Live your life with arms wide opened. Today is where your book begins. The rest is still unwritten. We both shared just a few of our tools here today, practices we've identified that work for us to ground us and enrich our life experiences. 
There are many more possibilities that may resonate more for you. Laura has a list of just a few that we thought of. Um, I have breath work, um, making time with friends, good friends, pets, soul collage, walking a labyrinth, making sure that you're, prop you're practicing self-care, meditation, entering into silence with yourself and with others because it's very different, and going through favorite books or quotes to also bring yourself back to center. And there are surely many more that you can identify for yourself. The point we want to make today is that we all have these simple practices that we've either developed or that come naturally to us that help us to deepen our spiritual experiences. We hear often today that these days, we hear often these days that we should strive to be in the moment, but you know, it's really hard with all the distractions of modern life. So much of the time, our minds are so full of chatter and distraction that the actual moments in front of us pass by without notice. Well-chosen spiritual tools can help us make sense of our lives and open us up a bit more to, the larger sense, to a larger sense of the universe and our connections within it. We hope that you will each take some time to find what works best for you and think about what's in your toolbox. Spiritual, spiritual that is. is. Blessings be. <laughs>